Jackson. Back to Foley. Scores! Oh my! No way! This With no time remaining. Great pass from Dowdy down low. Wagner down the middle, scores! First career goal, Austin Wagner. Here's Luff looking for his first, scores! Matt Luff, first NHL goal, and the Kings have the lead. What's Luff got to do with it? and welcome to Crown Conversations. I am Robin and joining me today is a very special guest, James Nicholson. Welcome to the podcast, James. Where am I? Oh, podcast. Yes. Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I am better now that the Kings managed to win last night. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, uh, I mean, during the game, it didn't exactly feel overly confident but now that it's over and done with yeah yeah it's a win i will take any win that i can get you know i i kind of have that steve dangle thing from before they got austin matthews i'm fine if you lose just make it an entertaining loss and sometimes they've been very good at that other times not so much i guess yes technically last night was rather entertaining it was just at the same time it was very stressful i was like this game is way too stressful for two last place teams that are going absolutely nowhere in the standings <laughs> you know when uh campbell had that big love save where he he spun around we made that save on tapes you kind of go all right the kings are feeling it and then a minute later, he just hands the puck over and it ends up in the back of the net. And you're like, oh, okay, that's Kings. Yes, that's what this year is. Uh, a flash of brilliance followed by a massive uh, mental lapse. <laughs> that, I think, pretty aptly describes their entire season thus far. You're like, <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. You guys are doing awesome. And then immediately it's like, Oh, what what are you doing? Yeah, like you see the things to be excited about and it's just a tease. And then they're they they sucker punch you in the heart. <laughs> a sucker punch to the heart. I like that. That's a, that's my new band name. I'm calling it Sucker Punch to the Heart. No, that's great. I am very excited to play bass for Sucker Punch to the Heart. And um, all of my songs are the ones that should be recorded. Thank you. <laughs> this this is definitely going to the JFTC band. I like it. Sucker punch <laughs> to the heart. You're on bass. I'm on. Uh, you know, have you ever seen that movie? Um, oh, I forgot what it's called. School of Rock. Yeah. Have you ever, yeah. So I, I'm the I'm the little girl that's the bossy one that has absolutely no musical talent. Nice. Okay. So you're the one making sure we're, we're actually rehearsing. Uh, we're watching the Kings games. So we get new material for new songs. I like it. Okay. Absolutely. I, I got to make sure you got to keep everybody on track here. I'm, I'm a great <laughs> band manager. 
<laughs> oh, yes. Um, no, but last night's game, it, there was like flashes of so much excitement and then just a lot of, oh, okay, this, is, this still does look like two last place teams. And uh, yeah, it was very much a, a roller coaster of a game. <laughs> Uh, the last, I mean, sorry, the the first period was really exciting. It was really bananas, but I was like, okay. I mean, I don't love that Jack Campbell gave the puck away immediately after making such a wonderful highlight reel save, but it was an exciting first five minutes of the game. And, and then I have no idea what happened in the rest of that period. I like blocked out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Really, you didn't feel like much after that. <laughs> no, it was just uh, I was on the Twitter, so of course I was watching that game, uh, watching that period, the whole period. I was like, I, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it was especially weird when they pulled Crawford, and it was like, wait, are they really gonna pull him after five minutes? And then it's like, like, and then it was. I guess maybe it had something to do with concussion spotter, maybe. I no I I don't know. Did anything come out post game? I I haven't had a chance to look. I know that like I was there was a lot of confusion. I was actually my wife and I were up with my parents last night watching the game and I was like I was like, great, there's blood in the water. Go after Robin Leonard, pepper <laughs> him with shots. We're gonna you know, steamroll them. And Leonard calmed everything down. And then Corey Crawford comes back. And of course, it's like, as I'm explaining concussion protocol to my family, I'm like, yeah, I think it's like 30 minutes that they have to be in the quiet room. And then like way less than 30 minutes later, he's back out on the ice. And I'm like, oh, cool. I look like a jerk. So, but no, I, uh, that was a truly weird, fun, fascinating game from yeah I, I keep talking about the game why why do you need so many adjectives on this game robin i don't know i'm, I'm obsessed with adjectives and alliteration <laughs> oh we all have our quirks don't judge me people <laughs> okay <laughs> so the season as a whole has been let's just call it rocky Mm -hmm. Um, but there, what I really wanted to talk about on this podcast, besides rehashing last night's really wild roller coaster game in, in the third period, I was like, nope, nope, this is like game seven all over again. I can't do this. But anyway, <laughs> um, their underlying numbers aren't really bad. No, the, as a team. They really aren't. Um, I think that right now they're second in the league behind Philadelphia for Team Corsi 4 percentage, if I am looking at that correctly. Who knows if I am? <laughs> uh, yeah, according to Natural Stat Trick, yeah, they have yeah the second highest Corsi 4, just uh, about half a percent behind Philadelphia. They're ahead of Boston. They're ahead of Carolina, ahead of Pittsburgh, Vancouver in Toronto like they're ahead of a lot of really good teams I think when you look at you know 
other things such as goaltending, shooting percentage, things like that. That's where we're maybe seeing, uh, I don't know, the drop off, the, 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 the details of the bigger picture not quite coming together. Is that an apt analogy? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's fair, to, fair to say. So early on, I think they could blame the goaltending because, like, Jonathan Quick was really bad. And then he got better, I guess. Or he sucked a lot less. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jack Campbell was fine. I mean, they're basically putting up an average performance, which is, which is what you what you want from your, your, your goaltenders, especially when you're gunning for a top five pick. It's, you know, play like Derriere for Lafreniere. <laughs> I have been racking my brain trying to think of a very good pun uh, or, or couplet, and you have done it. Thank you. Thank I wish you. I, <laughs> I wish I could take credit for it. I stole that from another SBN person. I forget who. I apologize. Um, but it was so Scott Matla. He is a Habs fan. He was like, "Show your derriere for Lafreniere," and someone <laughs> came in, and <laughs> someone else came in, and they were like, "No, it's." play like derriere for Lafreniere. I was like, oh, I'm stealing that. Yes. Yes. It is stolen. It is in the zeitgeist. Thank you. <laughs> There's also quit for Quentin. I was like, oh, I like that one. Ooh, that one's also very good. I, I mean, think a, oh, <laughs> I was just, I think a lot of people have put a lot of time and effort into this because their teams are, you know, not where they want them to be. No, and we're still, obviously, we're early in the season. Um, we're not, you know, certain teams can get hot still. Certain teams can falter. I mean, you know, is, is Florida for real? There's still plenty of time left to go in the, in the season. I think the really, it, I don't know, it's just patience. And it's hard for fans to be patient because you want excitement. You want wins. You want everything that you want, but you want it now. Um, <laughs> you know, and if there's one thing Kings fans should be ready for, it is patience as we wait for guys to develop and come up through the pipeline. I, I threw away my patience pants. I, you know, they, they're, they're gone. I don't have patience <laughs> anymore. Well, you don't need them when you're in the hospital anymore. <laughs> That's uh, that's a dad joke, and I'm not even a dad yet. <laughs> oh no! Uh, that's okay. I made a lot of stupid jokes on the, uh, the the Twitter last night. Kelvin DeHaan takes a penalty, so he has to go into the box. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> I also I also had one where it was like Kelvin DeHaan hits D crossbar. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you're doing there. <laughs> I would apologize, but I will not. Good. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to own my dad jokes uh, because I like dad jokes. Yes. All right. So uh, if we look at their shooting percentage, you want to know something wild? Yes. Tell they, me. <laughs> their shooting percentage after last night is actually not the lowest in the league, which I thought team wide it would be. Hmm. 
they are higher than the Vegas Golden Knights, who I guess they're having a little streak of bad luck right now. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so they're actually 10th worst <laughs> instead of 31st. So, you know. Wow. That's pretty wild. Yes, but speaking of the wild, I think actually they are above the wild. So. All right. Take that. They lost uh, to the wild. <laughs> they did. They did. But in another way, they also lost to the wild. And you can't really. Yeah. I don't know. What am I saying? Bring I, me on here and I immediately start saying nonsense. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, that's okay. Uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to me and Sarah, but most of our podcast is nonsensical. We just, we like bounce around from topic to topic and it's like, squirrel, what? Nuts, what? Huh? That's yeah. what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's still the most professional sounding LA Kings podcast <laughs> on the Jewels from the Crown uh, website. Okay. <laughs> Yes, we are very professional, us basement bloggers. Yeah. <laughs> Except we, we live in Cal. Well, at least I live in California, and uh, there's no basements here. Yeah, there's no basements because it's earthquake country, and Woo! So <laughs> basement would collapse on you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Speaking of being on shaky ground, uh, Kempy. No, um, that's a bad segue. I liked it though. That was that was a good segue. Yeah, I I'm looking at his like fancy stats, hashtag fancy stats, and like he only has four individual high danger chances for on the season according to Natural Stat Trick, and like especially if you watch the broadcast, like. Jim Fox and Alex Faust really, it feels like they're very, very much rooting for Kempe to get a goal. And, you know, I think he ranks lowest among all forwards except for Grundstrom for the IHDCF stat. I, I like that IHDCF. Yep. Yep. I, it, it rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Totally. It sounds like a like an enzyme in a blood test. This is what am I saying? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, but yeah, no, it, it's one of those things where it's getting pretty frustrating to watch Kempy's game, at least for me, because it feels like he has he's changing the type of player he is one shift to the next. Like maybe the Kings maybe still don't have a clear cut role for him. Maybe he doesn't understand what his role with the Kings should be. Like, you know, the faceoff percentage has exponentially increased. He's gotten a lot better at taking faceoffs. Um, yeah, let's see what he. Yeah, oh, forty-two percent. Not great, but better than where he was, I believe. It's just if he's taking so many shots. And nothing's happening for him. Like, is he getting, well, statistically, we can see he's not getting to dangerous areas on the ice to generate quality offense. I mean, last night, having him at the point, you know, in the, the Kovalchuk slot, 
on the power play. I mean, he took a couple of good shots, but I, what's happening there? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he missed a shot or two on net. Uh, another time it was a save. Maybe there wasn't a lot of traffic. I don't know. What do you think about Kempe? Am I picking on the guy? No, I actually, I mean, I love Kempe. Uh, I think he's a lot of fun, but I also think that they're trying to jam a square peg into a round hole with him still. And it's Mm -hmm. really, really frustrating for me. I mean, he's last amongst all the forwards in shots on goal. Like, Mm -hmm. and then I think he's actually lost, lost, last in, um, um, his Corsi 4% is 48.73. So he's not even really like his shot attempts is sort of in line with his career, which last year he had, oh wait, sorry, I'm looking at shot, shots against. So he's taking a lot of shot attempts. He's just not getting them on net. So I don't think you're necessarily picking on Kempe, but I think that uh, Kempe is struggling to, one, get to the dangerous areas on the ice, but also, two, to actually get his shots on goal. And I was like, see, he kind of reminds me of, like, a team-wide problem that they usually have come January, February, and partially into March, where they will, like, the whole team, I mean, um, Mm -hmm. they'll just – like take a million shots and somehow there's like an invisible force field around the net because that backboard, you know, <laughs> behind the goalie, it's real good at stopping pucks. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I know what you're talking about. Cause then in 2014, you have to rely on Robin Regeer overtime winning goals against <laughs> Columbus. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember that game because um, it was Hayward and they were talking about um, – so Brian Hayward, the Ducks uh, color Mm -hmm. guy, uh, they were going over league-wide highlights and he's like, so the Kings just won their game and it was a Robin Regeer shot? (laughs) 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 I think at that time, uh, Kings fans were so starved for a goal we just we we clapped and said yes we'll take it thank you and then that's when that role to get to the playoffs kind of took off from there it's kind of sparked by that robin regeer overtime goal so really we can thank robin regeer for first of all yeah, yes, well, <laughs> well i was gonna say getting hurt in the playoffs because that was his <laughs> big, uh, and then forcing willie mitchell to come off ir but hey it worked and also, you know, cheating and sitting in, in Henrik Lundqvist's lap. But who wouldn't want to sit in his lap and stare into his pretty blue eyes? I mean, it's, it's hard for me. I, I struggle with that every day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you're not even a Rangers fan. Nope. Nope. <laughs> but, I mean, he, he's got that look to him. You just you, you feel like you can talk to him. And, and hear the things that your dad never told you that you needed to hear. What? The, why am I saying these things <laughs> on this podcast? 
Um, just is he? He's pretty. That's that's why you're you're saying them. Yes. It, the the podcast brings out another side to everybody, and they're like, <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. So you know who's not the problem right now? Tyler Chafoli and Michael Amadio. Um, they were both scratched against uh, the Canucks. And I was a little bit, for some reason, I didn't realize they'd been scratched. And then when I figured it out last night, like halfway into the first period, I was like, wait, they were scratched? That's so weird. But they are literally, they are literally not the issue. Like Tyler Toffoli, um, actually, I was... I did this after their loss to, I can't even remember, but I was talking about Jeff Carter. And then I was looking at Tyler Toffoli's stats and he's like on the team, he's like right behind Jeff Carter. And I'm like, okay, this kid is literally this kid. He's like 27. (laughs) I guess he's not a kid anymore. Um, But this, he, Tyler, our curly hair cherub cheeked, uh, dessert aficionado is literally not the issue. I don't know why fans keep being like, oh, what's Tyler doing? He's only got three goals. Like, well, you know, it's a lot more than some of the other people on the team. I mean, if we're going to talk about Adrian Kempe being snake bit, it feels a little bit like Toffoli is too. I mean, Toffoli and Carter, uh, Kyle Clifford, I mean, those are the guys with the most high danger chances for, and Dustin Brown. Um, and their goals are all pretty the same. I mean, Carter has four, Toffoli has three, Brown and Clifford each have a couple. But, I mean, how many times have we seen Toffoli just tattoo the puck to the post? How many times have we seen him get robbed on a good save? It feels like you're not noticing him in the defensive zone and the neutral zone, which are good things. Because that means he's not making mistakes with the puck. He's not turning over the puck. But once he's in the offensive zone, that's when you realize he's been on the ice because he's making something happen. I mean, last night, if you know he has a little bit more mustard on that shot in overtime, that's his game-winning goal. You know, it it beat the goaltender. It was trickling into the net, and then Dowdy just you know put it away. But that was a really I mean, obviously, Dowdy makes that play. He, you know, it was electrifying, but Toffoli is still in a good position to get a good shot off. He's ready. He's he's making himself available to help the team. You know, with where he puts himself on the ice, and it's just not happening for him. I don't know if maybe McClellan is sending a message for the practice comments from last year that you know, hey, if you're not producing, you know, tough luck, you're gonna sit i don't know but he it he's a good player still i mean yeah if we look at total points for the kings he's tied for second with sean walker and they both have yeah three and three for six points sean walker he is undoubtedly the biggest surprise of this season like he He's really kind of like a a fourth forward out there. There was a lot that I saw from him last year where it kind of reminded me of when Martinez came up 
where he can kind of take over a play, he can settle a play down, or if he has a bad read or is overwhelmed, he, he guys just walk by him. And um, I had talked to someone with the Kings, and I kind of mentioned Sean Walker, and I think their sentiment was uh, maybe people are still trying to figure out if he's a good NHL-level player or if he just happens to look good because he's on such a bad team. And I think he he's showing that he is a capable NHL defenseman. Yeah, I mean, he is actually just he's he's 25. Well, he's almost 25. He'll be 25 in a little less than 2 weeks. Um Happy birthday, Sean. <laughs> Oh, look at you, big guy. Oh, you can <laughs> rent a car now. How cool is that, Sean? Yeah. Um, maybe he can rent a car and drive away from this crappy team. <laughs> rent a car and drive to the net. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay, I have no idea why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> but he is leading to the... He's... um. He's leading defenseman in uh, shots in in uh, shots for per sixty. If you exclude Joachim Ryan, who has only played uh, forty, wow, he's only played five games this season. Joachim Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, Sean Walker has dressed for every game so far this season. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, he's he's basically third. Uh, sorry, fourth on the team behind uh, Kyle Clifford, Michael Amadio, and Trevor Lewis. Your Wow. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it makes me feel so much better about that uh, post I wrote for the 25 under 25 on Mike Amadio. But uh, yeah, it, it's not hard to figure out where the chances are being generated from for the Kings at five on five. You know, and Sean Walker's play at the blue line is a big part of it. I mean, last night, you know, Roy has the goal, and that was, yeah, everyone was pumped for him. He had a nice uh, wrist shot from the top of the slot, and it, it kind of reminded me of, like, oh, like, look at that big old Joe Sackick out there. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, in terms of – I mean, the – there's plenty of other young, exciting defensemen who we should be excited about for the Kings, whether that's Sean Dursey or Kale Clegg, Mikey Anderson, the offense they can bring from the blue line. But it kind of looks like Sean Walker is the real deal. I mean, it's early, so but he so far, not even just looking at the rates, but just straight up in 14 games, he has taken 151 shots. Is that all? That's it. <laughs> Actually, it's crazy because um, so last year the Kings were getting absolutely zero offense from their their defense. Their uh, Willie Willie Desjardins had no idea what to do with the defense. He didn't know how to make them defend, and he didn't know how to make them offense either. So, um, but it seems really? that <laughs> I know you're shocked at that. <laughs> but it seems that Todd McClellan 
I don't know what it is, but he's doing something with the defense that they're all activating because the, the top five names in people uh, who have taken the most shots uh, are all defensemen. It's Sean Walker, Ben Hutton, Alec Martinez, Drew Doughty, and Matt Roy. Yeah, I, I mean, that kind of makes sense for me um, with looking at, you know, it, it, you know it, the old coach's cliche of we need jam to the game. We need to compete down low. <laughs> we need to, you know, the pounce on loose pucks. And it, they're generating shots from the point in an attempt to create those deflections, those rebounds, things like that. And, like, those guys all have good shots. I mean, you none of them are really uh, – you know they're not they're not uh, a black hole from you know the point where okay it goes there no one really has to worry about his shot those guys can all hammer the puck they can wire it so it, I mean that kind of makes sense for the way McClellan does things I mean I I can remember back to the the 2014 series the down 3-0 series and how you know if they weren't giving up rush chances. Um, when San Jose would cycle the puck, they would a lot of their offense came from uh, a one timer or you know a, a D to D pass leading to a shot uh, for them. And it, you know, I don't know. Maybe that was his issue in Edmonton is that there wasn't any defenseman who could take a decent <laughs> shot other than Darnell Nurse. Yeah, Edmonton is still lacking defensemen. It's been how many years, and they've got like two. I mean, well, let's not let's not talk about Edmonton. We're not talking no. about Edmonton today. <laughs> uh, nobody cares. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of it's it's really interesting, just kind of seeing how active the defense are, and that was also something that was an issue under Sutter, where um, they don't have a lot of offense coming from their defense Mm -hmm. and yet somehow Todd McClellan is uh, figuring it out but I think it's also partially the the talent the I mean Matt Roy I wouldn't say that he's a great offensive defenseman but uh, you know and Sean Walker is the same way but in terms of like kind of being an all-around defenseman and not just super one-dimensional i would say that talent wise um their their blue line is probably a little bit more talented than um 2014 yeah i think one of the things that is definitely different is the gap control though i mean the (laughs) what gap control (laughs) yeah exactly exactly um (laughs) But I think that also kind of goes into, you know, one of the things that, you know, people talk about with the Kings, oh, they need to get faster. Oh, speed, speed, speed. They were fast at getting up and down the ice as a whole team. You know, they didn't have an individual burner who's going to blow right past you. But that's one of the things that, you know, they always had that 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 Ford acting kind of as a third de- defenseman taking away the cross ice pass. And, you know, with, with – McClellan with the way he sets up the four check okay defenseman it's entirely your job to be the defenders so you see them you know jump up in the play you see them pinch you see them keep pucks alive in the offensive zone 
and then he puts a lot of stress on the defenseman and then they have to you know recover position and get back and and you know maintain the gap control and everything and like i mean i think uh john rosen had the quote from dowdy where like he's not even happy with you know his gap control this year and they're, they're yeah there there's something to be said about the kings and and needing to improve on that i don't know what the solution is but i'm not paid to know what the solution is so stop acting <laughs> like i am robin but we pay you for this kind of analysis, James. When did you pay me? <laughs> Ever? Uh, your check got lost in the mail. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, we sent your, your check uh, through the mail. Maybe maybe it got lost or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, it's, it's such a weird team. It's such a weird year. At least it's interesting. Um, sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> so there was another thing that I was looking at. Um, rush attempts. Uh, no, no shocker, but Kopitar leads the team in rush attempts. Um, but rebounds created. Guess who leads the team in rebounds created per 60? Oh... I'll give you a hint. He's got Is it Sean Walker? No. Oh, Tyler Toffoli. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Per 60 minutes. So, I mean, this is this is just an average of what it is. Right. Um on he has three he creates 3.66 rebounds or he has created 3.6 rebounds per 60 minutes. Dang. That is yeah. The next best four or the next best person on the team and this Cara is all time Yes. Are you looking? Maybe. <laughs> Cheater. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, and, and, you know, to be clear, this is all five on five, which mm-hmm. is where you get the most data. And that's why we're all, and that's why people who are, you know, into analytics are all obsessed with five on five. It's because it's the most, uh, the least variable of situations. Yes. We'll say that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, he's trying and it's not like he's actually useless out on the ice. That's why I was like, I don't understand why he's being scapegoated here. And like all of his shot attempts, his shot percentage, which is, you know, um, goal, successful goals that came from his shots. Like all of that is in line with his career norms. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Stop picking on Tyler Toffoli. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, looking at the shooting percent, is that is Micah Matteo the best? Uh, I think he has the best shooting percentage on the team. Yes, James is twenty five under twenty five post. Um, uh, of of players who have played at least fifty minutes, yes. Yeah, but I mean, I mean. The thing is there for for Toffoli. I, I mean, he has a big contract. He's four point six. He's in the last year of his deal. Who knows if, you know, if if we're saying goodbye to him by February? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I brought this the whole mood of the podcast down. I'm so sorry, but I mean, if we're looking at him having a normal year, and it's on the team that yeah. It, takes a lot of shots, doesn't generate a ton of goals, 
relative to the amount of shots they take, maybe Toffoli is an attractive, you know, target for a team who needs someone to just generate more shots for them. So, I don't know. He would be a for anybody for any team that's missing kind of your two three winger, somebody that will take a lot of shots, someone that will uh, create a lot of rebounds. Like that's what he is good for, and that was kind of why the the seventies line worked so well throughout mm-hmm. the playoffs. Is because um, so Pearson was really good at keeping the puck in and keeping the play alive. Uh, Carter was really good at uh, blowing into the zone with speed, and then Toffoli would shoot like a million times on rebound uh, to create a rebound. Like mm-hmm. if you remember. His cup-winning goal in overtime, game five, against the New York Rangers, uh, he shot for the far pad. That yep. was a set play. Yep. And, that, and, and Alec Martinez was, of course, the fortunate recipient that was able to get to that rebound. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's my point, is that he's over there creating rebounds. So, I mean, if you have somebody that just is like a – just needs to be able to have that chance to put the puck in the net, then yeah, he would be a really attractive option, but please don't leave us Tyler. We love you. Gosh. Like, obviously we don't want to see him go to another Pacific division team, but like how badly would a team like Arizona or a team like Vegas want him right now? Ugh. I don't, I don't think Vegas can afford him, but like Arizona, gosh, man, they putting him on the second or third line of that team. Yeah, I, that makes them a lot better instantly. Maybe Dallas. Um, I shouldn't. Why do I speculate about where he'll go? Don't leave, <laughs> Tyler. Tyler. Hey, Tyler. Look, Tyler. Look at me. Look at me. Ty- hey, hey, hey. I love you, bud. Don't go. <laughs> what does um, this podcast do to people? <laughs> I don't know. You like to apparently talk to strangers that are not there. <laughs> Some people call it a mental illness. <laughs> Actually, so I was talking to Sarah about this on our last podcast, and I'm going to bring it up now because I still think it's weird four, five years later. But there was, um, God, it's been almost six years. Um, there was a time, no, longer, sorry. Um, Many years ago, many, many moons ago, when Tanner Pearson had hurt his ankle or whatever because he crashed into the boards and we were all sad and depressed, mm-hmm. um, like, he was out and about or something, and then, like, I guess his meter was about to expire, and someone put more money, put more change into it, and they left a note. And at first I was like, okay, random act of kindness, and then they said, go Kings, go at the end, and I was like, okay, you creepy people stalking the players but also i mean that's kind of nice yeah yeah i think that's one of the things that that the king's players especially being down in in the south bay they like is that you know the king's fans will recognize them they'll know them but they won't harass them they won't you know bother them the way other hockey markets might with their players yeah um, but i don't know i mean hi miss pearson yeah yeah i mean because i mean the thing that pearson brought to the kings was other than being so good in overtime was (laughs) his ability to just to you know skate in a straight line 
and pick up the play as it's developing. And I mean, now, okay, we have Austin Wagner who skates in a start in a straight line to start the play, <laughs> which is fun. But like Kyle Clifford is playing a lot more of that Tanner Pearson style of game this year. And like we see Trevor Lewis creating rebound chances, second most on the team. Amadio has the highest shooting percentage. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. They are the the new that 70s line, the fourth line, Clifford, Amadio, and Lewis. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I like that. We've cracked the code. We've broken into the (laughs) matrix. Uh yeah. And I mean, I guess it's a good thing. Because that's that's what you want from your from your fourth line. You want them to be able to uh, create chances, create rebounds, and, you know, occasionally put the puck in the net. That's kind of ideal. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, the fact that it's, you know, only the fourth, it's like, <laughs> I, <Yeah. I'm> a, <laughs> it, because it's not, it's not your top six. It's good and it's bad because you want more from your middle six, which is your second and your third lines. Mm-hmm. But because at, at the beginning of the season, Sarah and I were speculating, we're like, what's wrong with this team? It's like, they're really good at fur on the, on the, on their top line with Kopitar, but then the middle is like crappy, but the fourth line is really good. And I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how to feel about this. I mean, even when they move a Matteo up, that production just drops off, right? And then he gets benched or scratched for a game. Like, it, whatever it is that they have, that, that chemistry on the fourth line, it's working great. Can, yeah, I mean, with Lazat and Kempe, you have the second and third line centers. Neither of them have a goal on the year. Uh, you're kind of mixing and matching the guys who play on their wing, whether, you know... It, it's Wagner, I follow Brown now, um, you know, the Carter, Kovalchuk, all these guys, they're, they're, it sure as heck seems like the answer for the second and third line forwards isn't on the team as of right now. Yeah, if you want to look down in Ontario, um, you know, there's – there's there's bright spots with uh, Kupari. I believe he's a center, right? Or is he a winger? He can play everywhere, it okay. seems like. So you have Kupari, you have Jad, and, you know, the future is, is really bright down there. I don't know who else they have in juniors. Uh, I mean, Aiden Dudas. Uh, mm. I mean, who knows if he'll be able to even – Reached the NHL, but hey, he's he's one of those smaller, faster players who's really exciting. So, yeah, um, could be could be, if if the Kings get lucky. <laughs> yeah, um, they're they're never that lucky. <laughs> no, no, I mean we, we still have Turcotte to look forward uh, to. Turcotte, yes, Turcotte. Um, I totally forgot about him. Uh, there's also Arthur Kaliev. Yeah, I don't. He's not really going to play down the middle. I mean, he'll he'll play on the right side. Um, oh, is he a winger? Yeah. I can't I can never remember who's a winger and who's not. 
Yeah, we still have him. We still have Sheldon Rempel. We still have Matt Luff on the on the on the wings. I mean, there there are guys who can come and play. It's just it. I don't. The Kings. It really feels like don't want to rush their development. Um, you know, they don't want guys to pick up bad habits because they're getting overwhelmed, overworked by bigger, stronger, faster, more experienced players. They want these guys to develop into a better, more well-rounded player so that when they make it with the Kings, they can just take off and start going. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's it's really smart to delay their, or at least keep them developing at the lower levels and have them just kind of be be the best that you can be. Isn't that like the army motto? Yes. Be all that you can be. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So while I'm over here plugging the U.S. Army, no. Um, yeah. I mean, just <laughs> just you know, kind of become that well-rounded player that that's expected of them when they reach the NHL level. Besides, I mean, why take a risk that you may not finish low enough for a top five pick or high enough? What? I don't know. I mean, you can't, you, you got to make sure this team isn't good. Yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> I mean, and like that's, I mean, every coach wants to win. I'm sure Todd McClellan's angry. I mean, we know he's angry. We know he's called out some players. We know, he, you know, he's, he's done some things to indicate he's not happy with certain guys on the roster. But yeah, it, it's, it's a process. Yeah. Is Todd McClellan ready to run this marathon? Um, because that was a joke that he, to a reference he made during his introductory press conference. Robin, my jokes are funny. Robin, please <laughs> laugh. Robin, I need the adulation. Oh my God, you're guffaws. so needy. <laughs> yes, Tyler, 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 don't leave me. Tyler, I need you to laugh at my jokes, Tyler. I don't think he's listening. I'm sorry. Ah, shoot. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really good question. Is, is Todd McClellan ready to run this marathon? Because, uh, 82 games is, is a lot. And, you know, maybe he has a plan for, um, this overall season and he's not, he doesn't want to stray away from the plan. Mm -hmm. It would be nice though, if, the team could score more goals. But honestly, I think they're just, they're unlucky. I mean, if you look at their PDO, which is, I don't know how to explain PDO other than luck. Um, yeah, it's the, the puck luck measurement. Essentially, yes. Yeah. So uh, for those who don't know, one or a hundred, uh, depending on which measurement that you're looking at, um, if you're over that, then you're generally playing over your status. And if you're under that, then you are more likely to be playing without luck. So um, the Kings are second worst. So they're 30th in terms of PDO. Our neighbors to the north, the Sharks, they are 31st. So both these teams are struggling right now with the luck in the luck department. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't check before yesterday, but I, I thought it would have been at least a lot closer. I'm thinking because the Kings did score 
four goals yesterday that they 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 widened their gap just a hair. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, yeah, I'm looking at that list for the PDO. Florida third. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe they start getting lucky and maybe they are the real deal. Take that earlier James statement. <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, Vegas is fifth worst. I mean Yeah, that New Vegas Jersey is, is sixth. Well, that Min- makes sense. Yeah, it does. Minnesota seventh. Philly eighth. You know, the Maple Leafs are, are tenth worst. That kind of uh, okay, that kind of tracks with the way their weird season is going. Mm-hmm. And the, but, the Dallas Stars are 11th, which they're almost at average, which is the yeah. crazy part. It's just systematically Dallas is doing something weird. But that's that's for me to talk about with the Stars fan and not on this podcast at this moment. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> five on five. Otherwise, they, they do look pretty good. I mean, their shot attempts a, a, against per 60 – are relatively low. I mean, generally speaking, mm-hmm. that's shot attempts. I, I didn't look at last night's game, but last night was something ridiculous. It, it was like 72 to like 40 or something. It was mm-hmm. pretty ridiculous. Nothing quite as ridiculous as what, as what the, uh, the Canucks did. To, no, sorry, not the Canucks. It was the Jets. Uh, the Jets, when they came to see the Sharks on Friday, <laughs> the Sharks had like well over a hundred shot attempts for, <laughs> they put more than 50 shots on goal and they still lost. Well, that will hurt the PDO. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, just a little. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I'm looking at like high danger uh, shooting percentage and the Kings are 10th worst i think yeah they're at 15 percent for high danger chances for they are uh, high no i don't know what you're looking at (laughs) um oh you're looking at the percentage yeah hang on let me look at the percentage yeah okay they're ninth worst for shots and you know the shooting percentage in high danger no wait i'm looking at it and they are 25th um so really they are oh i think you sorted it wrong are you looking at it five on five yeah huh i'm saying that they're i'm in counts oh hey (laughs) i've done that (laughs) yeah so it and it's not like you know the kings aren't getting to the dangerous then uh they're taking like a million shots but they're not getting to the dangerous areas which has been a problem historically, especially in 2014. It's like you can shoot from the blue line all you want, but yeah, they're not going in. Not no. every goalie is Jonathan Quick. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to take shots at Jonathan Quick just because it's fun. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it, it would be a lot easier to take shots at Jonathan Quick. Um, well, one if the Kings didn't stop them all. No. Um, <laughs> But, like, you don't see him quit on plays necessarily. No, that's true. I mean, it's, he's not Mike Smith when he's in a bad mood. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, I don't know. It, it's, it's a hard, weird year. And yeah. Yeah, we still have 
uh, 60-ish games left. Uh, God, that's so many. Yeah, 58 games left. That's how math works, right? I yeah. have no idea. You're asking the wrong person. Ha-ha! Fancy stats! <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a good thing the two of us are talking about stats. <laughs> what is 4 plus 4? It's 12, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like ohms. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, um, okay. Anyway, so where they do get into trouble um, at five on five, which really their play hasn't been that bad, but they do allow quite a few high danger chances against per 60. They are 13th overall or 13th oh. worst. Mm-hmm. The New York Rangers allow the most. Good Lord, Rangers. You Jeez. guys got some issues. <laughs> yeah. So the New York Rangers are giving up 13 points, so about 13 shots, 13 high danger shots per 60 minutes. That's a Dang. lot. Yeah. The Kings are just a shade under 10, which is still a lot because they can't do run and gun. I mean, they no. can, but they can't. So I, I'm really confused. By this team because there are times when it looks like they can totally hang and do uh, run and gun like they did with Edmonton and I think they did that with Calgary when they first the first time they saw Calgary yeah but then Todd McClellan was like no no we got to shut down this thing because this looks like too much fun and so <laughs> I have no idea if that's actually true or not but run and gun <laughs> Run and gun was not – it's not really the, the Kings. They are, they're not built for run and gun. They're, they're built to strangle you and bore you to tears and bring you to tears in more ways than one. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, yeah, it, it's just – I don't know. I don't – <laughs> Okay, yeah, there we go. That's the best thing I can say about this king is just uh, 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 grunts and then I don't know. Um, Yeah, Yeah. I mean, there are times where you see McClellan try to reestablish the structure. He tries to reestablish the structure. There's times where, like, it feels like – Maybe the players don't grasp the structure. Uh, there's times where it's maybe it feels like they're trying to teach an old dog new tricks sometimes with this team. And um, I don't know. Maybe I'm being mean. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely accurate in my assessment. But you just – it seems like there are moments – where guys either don't want to do what's being asked of them or guys are incapable of doing what's being asked of them. Mm, that's a good point. But I, I, I don't know um, because I feel like they're trying. Yeah. So I don't know if it's not a lack of will as more of a lack of skill. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But, but where this team gets into really big trouble is their penalty kill. So they, 
maybe that's what I'm talking about the most. <laughs> yeah. Well, their penalty kill is is a little bit a combination of bad luck and then just bad overall structure. So, but also bad discipline because they're spending about five minutes per game, five, five and a half minutes per game on the penalty kill. That's a lot when you're shorthanded, five minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's middle of the road uh, in terms of like, average time killing a penalty but Mm -hmm. because their penalty kill is so bad they're allowing about 102 chances per six or shot attempts per 60 while they're on the kill so yeah so that's that's everything that's un that's a block that is uh sorry unblocked shots so that's coursey um that's Things that, you know, are going towards the net. That's, mm-hmm. So 102. Compare that with the Flyers who have the best penalty kill. The Flyers. Yeah, the, the Flyers have the best penalty kill. Um, or at least uh, in terms of cor- uh, Corsi against, which is 71.65. I don't know what. I- um, well, it looks like the best penalty kill percentage is the Sharks. Yeah, the Sharks. Sharks and the Knights and the Canucks and then Calgary. Wow. All Pacific Division teams. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're a little unruly. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Arizona's 15th, Anaheim's 16th. So they're middle of the pack. And then the Kings uh, with the worst penalty kill percentage (laughs) in the league at 67.3. Uh. <laughs> so the Kings are giving up 102 shot attempts, unblocked shot attempts, compared to San Jose's 85. That's wow. That's a big difference. That's yeah. almost uh, 20, 20 shot attempts that they are suppressing. That the Sharks are suppressing better than the Kings. Gosh. I mean, that right there makes up for the five-on-five PDO stuff in a bunch of ways, that slight discrepancy between the two. But, uh, man, I – yeah. I mean, there's times where, like, you watch – I think, for me, I like to watch the forwards on the the power plate. Not that I like to watch them. It's where my eye is drawn to because you (laughs) see one guy start playing that aggressive box – and the other guy playing that more passive box where, you know, he's hanging out towards the bottom of the circle. And then the next guy's, you know, going up to the top of the circle. And that just creates the biggest lane from the point down to the forward on the wing. And like, yeah, it, it yeah, it's, it's hard. That's what I'm talking about with, you know, teaching a new, an old dog, new tricks is for how long did the Kings remain? Uh, just so aggressive with their forwards on the penalty kill, you know, having them them up high, challenging the defensemen, challenging the guys on the on the on the wings when the puck goes to the outside. And now it's 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 more like, hey, hang out and just get in the lanes and and wear shots, you know, block shots, take away passing lanes with sticks, as opposed to kind of going man on man in some aspects for the penalty kill. 
So what do you, okay, what do you mean? So they, their, their penalty kill is too passive or it's too aggressive? One guy's playing passive, the other guy's playing aggressive. <laughs> and because they aren't on the same page, it's creating massive lanes right. for the other team's power play to get a good shot or pass through. What's, what's interesting to me is that um, the Columbus Blue Jackets, I believe they have the most shorthanded goals in the league. Uh, no, they, they've since dropped off in the last couple of games. But okay. they, they have, well, I guess they only have one. But every, everybody talks about the Blue Jackets' penalty kill. And they call it a power kill. Because it is so aggressive that you have no time or space to do anything. And it's, it's so dangerous that it could score a goal. Mm-hmm. So, I and mean, the- it's, it, it's really interesting because you say that, you know, one guy's passive, one guy's aggressive on the Kings. And it's, I mean, it's not like the, the Blue Jackets are somebody to uphold as the, the golden standard shall we say? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're 26, <laughs> you know, uh, in penalty kill. It's just, it's not that the Kings, the Kings didn't necessarily create a ton of shorthanded opportunities. Yeah. To fully have that year with a bunch of shorthanded goals. Mike Richards had a few so many years ago. It's just, it's a different style. You know, Trent Yanni's system is different. We've seen Trent Yanni have successful uh, special teams in other places. And it, I don't know, like, there are times where, like, I'm watching the penalty kill because we get to watch enough penalty kill time um, <laughs> where I just, I I don't see that confidence that was there, you know? And, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of, uh, I'm presuming a little bit, I'm being a little bit presumptive, but I just don't see that structure that was so prevalent where you go, oh, it's a it's a penalty kill, but chances are the Kings have this and everything's going to be fine after two minutes or whatever, and then we can go back to five on five. Now it's kind of like, all right, buckle up and, and you know, cross your fingers and, and hope because it sure seems like the players are crossing their fingers and hoping to get through the penalty kill. Not to be presumptuous as well, but I kind of think that what's going on with the Kings is one of those things where it feels like everything is spinning out of control. So, you know, you have those moments where you're just like one bad thing after another is happening and it feels like you just can't stop the bleeding. It kind Mm -hmm. of feels that way with the Kings penalty kill. It's like they're trying, but then like individual people are trying something different than their teammates and nobody is talking to each other and then Trent Yanni's system is just falling all apart yeah yeah it's true I mean I don't know I mean the Kings have so many good penalty killers as individuals why is it not working is it just individuals haven't figured it out is it it doesn't seem like the system itself is bad. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I did look at Matt's stat trick and their penalty kill. Uh, I mean, because they are tracking PDO on the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. 
it is seventh worst. Their PDO is seventh worst. So it's it's point eight seven two. So about eighty seven percent is their PDO in terms of penalty kill. That's why I said it feels like it's a little bit of bad luck combined with just bad structure. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would say it, it, it's maybe the Kings not upholding the structure that's being implemented. You know, because you only have four players trying to uphold the structure. One guy isn't where he's supposed to be, doesn't make the play that he's supposed to. That throws everything into chaos. But yeah, no, they, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, I mean, they're, gosh, the Blues are worse in the uh, penalty kill PDO. That's interesting. <laughs> But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's small sample sizes. So, I mean, especially mm-hmm. for PDO. So, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. But at the same time, it's like you can say, all right, yes, they are, are doing poorly in their structure and how they perform on the penalty kill. But some of it is also just a touch of bad luck. Like, some of it is... I don't think I don't remember if it was a penalty or I think it there was something when they were in Minnesota and it happened to go off one of their players in front and then also off one of the Kings players. So <laughs> it's like so it's it's a little bit it really is just the, the combination of just just tech, just enough bad luck. And then just really bad playing overall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, if you're going to lose, at least be entertaining with your losses. God. Well, we still have to talk about their power play. So they had, what was it, four or we five? Have to. Cha- <laughs> <laughs> yes, because their power play frustrates me. <laughs> they their power play is driving me crazy. They're trying so flipping hard. They're getting to the, the, the dangerous areas. They, so uh, in terms of unblocked shots, they are fifth. Fifth wow. in the league in unblocked shots while they're on the power play. Something has got to give. <laughs> it's not like they're not trying. It's not like they're, they're just passing the puck around the perimeter and kind of hoping for a lane to open up and praying that, you know, this is going to work. It's, it's not true. Yeah. And then their, their scoring chances, they are 10th in the league behind Colorado, just behind Colorado. Jeez. Yes. (laughs) So it's just like, ah, I don't, I don't know what, Trent Yanni is doing with their power play, but oh, 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 this, this is really gonna, I, I, I don't even know. So in high danger chances for, they are six. So they're, they're creating high danger chances. They're getting to the dangerous areas on the ice. They are giving themselves the best opportunity it's just not going in. And I mean, credit to Crawford. Like, he was pretty outstanding on that power play, on those power yeah. plays. But it was just like, ah! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, gosh, yes. Ah, oh, okay. 
So, <laughs> like, when we watch the Kings on the power play, one, they actually, like, can get into the offensive zone sometimes. Like, way <laughs> different from last year. Um, but, like, whether it's, you know, Kovalchuk at, you know, on the point, you know, doing the Alex Ovechkin thing where he's just ripping one-timers from the circle. There's good puck movement. I mean, it doesn't really seem like they have like a oh, a number one unit and a number two unit. Both units seem to be, from the eye test, equally effective. Um, and, you know, you can kind of say, okay, they have a one and a one A, I guess. But Well, Adrian Kempe... Okay. I, I got I'm not trying to pick on him. I love I do love him. I, I think he's a special boy. Uh in more more ways than one. And I I just I don't wanna see him on the power play anymore. I don't think he's effective. No. No, I don't think so either. I I I, I mean, you know, last year we saw Amadio with some power play time. We've seen a little bit this year. Maybe start going to him. I mean, Blake Lazat's not getting power play time, is he? I mean, who knows what he could do? I mean, both guys have don't have goals yet this season. Why not see what he can do on the power play? No, Blake Lazat has. Well, he's he's had twenty four seconds. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, well, he, okay. He's wasted he's, his opportunity. <laughs> so well, he's he's had. About five minutes on the power play. That's it. Uh, yeah. Just under six minutes. Um, so uh, the power play players, <laughs> the, the power play um, is consists of Drew Doughty, Andre Kopitar, Dustin Brown, Alex Ayafalo, and Adrian Kempe. That's one unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going based on time on ice. And then the second unit is Kovalchuk, Carter, Toffoli, and Martinez. Those two power play units, um, Lazat or Wagner on, on some power play time could be fun. I don't know. Like, if it's not – if the results aren't there, just start throwing some things at the wall maybe. That's a that, – there's no way an NHL coach is going to be like, ah, I don't know, let's just try this. <laughs> like, because then they're probably a bad NHL coach. But from a fan perspective, why not give it a shot? See what happens. Right? So I feel like why not try Carl Grundstrom? I mean, he's had a little power play time. Um, yeah. So why don't we switch Grundstrom out for Kempe? I mean, Kempe gets a ridiculous amount of power play time. And he's he's shooting a lot. He's just not making it I think I don't know. I mean, so Dennis you want Bert- Grundstrom on the point, or who would you put on the point there? Kopitar. I'm sick of seeing Kopitar on the half wall. Like I think. Okay. Kopitar is waste wasted where he's at. Um, actually, you know what? Kovalchuk would probably be good on the point too. Put Cart throw Carter or Dowdy on the half point, and then just put Kovalchuk and and uh, and. Kopitar in areas where they can succeed. Kovalchuk was brought in to be a power play specialist. I think right. he's got like one or two goals. No, one power play goal. Okay, one power play goal. 
So he's a really expensive power play specialist. I'd like to see him excel as a power play specialist. I don't quite know what know what they're doing with um, with Kovalchuk. But uh yeah, I I mean just let him get to the front of the net and just do his thing. Like much like his countryman Alex Ovechkin, he just has one spot that he needs to stand. Let him do it. I I really don't care about him at 5 on 5 if he can help the power play. Yeah. I mean, gosh, like okay, so you go All right, so unit 1 the Fords are Ayafalo, Kopitar, Brown. And then you have uh, Kovalchuk and Dowdy at the point. Unit two, you go to Foley, Carter, Grunstrom, Martinez at the point, and uh, uh, I don't know, Hutton? Oh, that's a name to throw out there. <laughs> Wait, who? I'm sorry, you're, you're kind of muffled now. Oh my gosh, I'm breaking everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> you broke the podcast, James. I did. I'm the worst. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I'm trying to like get rid of this freaking sound and it's not happening. <laughs> let's uh let's let's wrap this up. We've been talking for quite a while now. So what is there to do for their special teams? Because that's where they're being let down the most right now. Um, I don't know. Just execution. That's 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 really the only word because right now it's just not happening. All right, execution. Well, hopefully, uh, after having so many power play chances and then completely failing and falling flat on their faces on every single one of them, uh, Todd McClellan and Trent Yanni will figure something out for this upcoming road trip. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, like we mentioned earlier, maybe the answer to the question isn't on the roster. Well, like you said earlier, I mean, we we all have to be patient uh, because the Kings are admittedly gunning for a top five pick. So it's going to be a long bad year, guys. Woo! (laughs) Yeah! Get excited for mediocrity. <laughs> it's not even mediocrity. It's just bad. <laughs> All right. Well, I'd like to thank my guest today, James, for joining me on this uh, analytical podcast. Oh, but before we do sign off, we did have one question from our readers, listeners. Who's looking good for five-on-five differential? And, uh, well, surprise, it's Kyle Clifford. Yeah. So, I'm not surprised. <laughs> he's had a really good year at five-on-five. Yeah, he's, he's having an amazing year. And, again, this is exactly what you want from a bottom six forward, especially one who plays primarily on the fourth line. So just to give you an idea – um, Kyle Clifford at five on five, uh, when he's on the ice, the Kings are attempting about 76 shots, uh, per 60. And then they are, um, only giving up about 52 shots per 60. Now you want to compare that with 
Adrian Kempe, who is, when he's on the ice, the team only attempts about 50, about 52 shots. And then they're giving up about 56, 57 shots. Uh, shot attempts, I should say. So this is not actual shots on goal. This is just unblocked shots towards the net. And this includes, like, you know, when they miss or things get tipped out. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. Kyle Clifford has a positive 24 Corsi differential. Adrian Kempe has a negative 5 Corsi differential. <laughs> yeah, I, I think those numbers align with the eye test. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Yep. Weird so, year. Uh, yeah. Hooray for suckitude or suckiness. I don't. I don't even know anymore. Yeah. Yep. It, it, it's a race to the bottom, and the Kings are in the lead. All right. Woo! Race to the bottom. You know who's gonna who's joining us on this race to the bottom? Potentially the Ducks, and definitely the Sharks. Yeah. Yeah, California sucks. Oh, does ah. it ever? Welcome to Suckland. <laughs> oh. Welcome to Suckville. <laughs> Party of three. California. Oh, yeah. Ooh. All okay. right. <laughs> well, James, thank you for joining me and breaking my podcast. You're welcome. Enjoy this broken podcast. I will not help you pick up the pieces. <laughs> All right, so uh, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, if you have any uh, questions, my Twitter handle is at Robin underscore JFTC. There is also the main account, which is at JFTC underscore Kings. And then, James, I believe you're also on Twitter, are you not? I am. I am at Ulysses Jim, U-L-Y-S-S-E-S-J-I-M. So, like Ulysses Grant, but Jim. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, too, have been arrested for drunkenly driving a horse and carriage. (laughs) That's a nerdy history joke. (laughs) (laughs) I got it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But I was just going to ask, but have you been president? Well, I've been president. uh, No, nothing. No. (laughs) Not even, like, president of, of the AV club? (laughs) <laughs> no can i be president of the podcast sure why not yes i will <laughs> rule with an iron fist <laughs> but it's a democracy then i will uphold the constitution of the podcast so help me god all right i like it so thanks again james for joining me thank you so much all right you have a good one <laughs> you too. Bye.